0: Good morning, Center. Good morning. How you guys doing? Doing pretty good? It's good to see you. If you don't know me, uh, if you haven't endured me in the past, my name is David. Uh, I'm on staff over at Frontline Church, which is northeast side of Grand Rapids, but I'm also a part uh, of the Zero Collective, which means I get to bounce around to a couple different churches that are a part of it, Center being one of them. So I'm excited to be here today. I got a lot of energy for what we're talking about, but I have to ask you a question and I need audience participation. Okay, so are you in? Good answer. Okay, are you in? Yes. Okay, we'll work on it. What do you think of when I say the word party? What do you think of? Go, just yell it out. Snacks. Snacks. I heard woo. I liked that one. Whoever that one was, woo. Snacks. What else? You think party. I say party. You think music, good. Celebrate, Celebrate good. You know where we're going. What else? Games socializing I might have heard pizza right fun right like things that we enjoy celebrate like that's the the spiritual discipline that we're headed towards today things that are fun things that are excitable a group of people depends on what you think you might think house party pool party birthday party Christmas party parties right we we enjoy parties we enjoy celebrating how many of you your very first thought was church right always the chuckle like (laughs) no no didn't think of church, nobody on a Sunday morning is talking to someone. They're like, dude, I was at this amazing party last night. It was awesome. It was loaded with people. It was unbelievable. And the follow-up question is like, what church? What's the name of the church? Right? We don't we don't associate oftentimes party or celebration with church, which is funny because church people, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you actually have the thing that's worth celebrating more than anything. You, you actually have the thing, the, the thing that's worth all of the other celebration combined, you have it. But so often what we do is we come into a place like this or we come into a church uh, and a lot of us have an attitude or almost like an anticipation that it's going to disappoint us, right? Like, have you ever been to those parties? I'm looking at some of the people that were in here first service, they already know. Uh, there was a party I went to once uh, in Chicago. It was a family party. That's where most of my family's from. So I showed up at my grandma and grandpa's house and my 18-year-old male cousin opened the door and he was wearing a kilt. And I went, nope, not gonna be a good party not the type of party I'm excited about or want to be present at. And he's like, hey, welcome. And I was like, dang it, I'm stuck. So a lot of times we come in almost with like the same mentality or the same, uh, almost anticipation of disappointment in a local church. It's like you show up and it's like, okay, I'm ready to be disappointed. I'm ready for the message to not be for me, or I'm ready for the worship to not know the song or, or the words, or I'm ready, I'm, I'm ready just to be disappointed. Like, you don't, so often we don't come in and, like, yes, I get to be here. I get to be at church. I get to learn something. I get to grow in my relationship with God. I get to hear from Him. I get to worship with other people. So often it's actually the opposite. So, the discipline that we're talking about today, the spiritual discipline we're talking about, is celebration. And I asked first service, but I don't have to ask this service. Like, how many of you, didn't even know celebration was a discipline. I didn't. And so as I was writing this and putting this together, I discovered this entire truth about the spiritual discipline of celebration that I never knew. And if you don't understand it, if you don't get it right, it actually affects every other spiritual discipline that exists. So it's really important. So we're going to dive in. We're talking about celebration. Turn in your Bibles, if you have a Bible, to John chapter 15. But I want to read a couple passages before because I want to prove to you that God likes to celebrate that God actually wants you to celebrate, that he wants you to join him in celebration of the thing that is worth celebrating more than anything else. So we'll be in John 15, but I'm going to read a couple passages out of Luke. Luke chapter 2. This is a passage we usually only read around Christmas time, but it says this, but the angel said to them, talking about the shepherds that are in the field right as they're about to announce the birth of Jesus, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. Catch this, good news for all people good news for all people. It's like, hey, we're breaking in. We're interrupting your life, interrupting your current shepherding, interrupting your job, interrupting you to tell you this important message that God sees you, God loves you, and God has delivered a savior for the world that it desperately needs. And it's a cause for celebration. How do we know that? Because like three verses later, it says that suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. So this giant choir, this giant group, this giant collection of angels shows up and they're singing at the top of their lungs because they just heard the same thing that the shepherds just heard come out of the angels mouth that a savior showed up the angels could sense it the angels couldn't hold back in celebration so they jumped in and joined in it says the they appeared with the angel praising god and saying glory to god in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests and then this one I love this, this is two chapters later Luke chapter 4 Uh, It's one of the first things that Jesus says when he enters into his public ministry. I love this moment. It's like buildup. It says this, Luke 4, verse 16, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, kind of like today, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So that was what they were reading. That's where they were at. So they go, oh, you want to talk? Here you go. They give him the scroll. He fast-forwards. He finds a spot, and it says this. He stood up to read the scroll of prophet Isaiah, unrolling it. He found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is a party. Jesus is showing up and he's going, it is a celebration. We're, we're going to celebrate all year. This isn't just like, hey, you came to church, yay, rah, rah, you guys get to be a part of the group. He's saying, no, 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 I have an announcement for you that is worth celebrating for the entire year because the year is the Lord's flavor because he's anointed me to pro- proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And it says, the Eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, right, drum roll. He says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Kicks down the door. It's like, I'm here. This is it. Everything that's built up has been for this moment. It's, it's revolving around me. It's about me. I'm here. When I show up, I can break chains. When I'm here, I can defeat death. When I'm here, I can bring things that are dead back to life. I can break people free from addiction. I can break people free from slavery. I can break people free from just disappointment or apathy. When I show up, I can change everything, and it is worth a celebration. Even The, the word I would use is like jubilee. Jubilee would be something that was built in. It was a festival built into God's people that every few, I forget what it is, 49 years, I think. It's like the seventh, seven years. Every year, it would be like a total reset. Anybody that was in debt, their debt would be forgiven, right? It'd be a plentiful harvest and celebration, and all the people would come and gather and celebrate. Jesus was saying, I entered the scene, and it is the Jubilee of Jubilees. I'm here. So church people have the thing that is worth celebrating the most and yet often we come in moderate at best or docile or quiet. Or What God is inviting us to step into is actually to celebrate like it's part of our relationship with him, that we can celebrate not just what he's done for us but who he is. Going all the way back to Luke 2, he's the savior. This is the last one I'd say, Luke 15. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Here's what God is saying. When one of you gets it, that's enough. When one of you gets it, when one of you leans in, when one of you can see me for who I am, that's enough. And all of heaven throws another party. Heaven just likes to party. Are you picking up on that? There's a party and a celebration that exists all the time, and it's ongoing, and it will only continue on for the rest of eternity. So here's our passage today. Let's read this. John chapter 15, verse 9, it says this, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. This is Jesus talking. He said, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have now told you this, two things important here. I've now told you this so that my joy may be in you. That's the first one. So that my joy may be in you. And then number two, that your joy may be complete. God wants his joy to reside in you. And when that happens, your joy is then complete. There are so many people all around the world, full of churches. Right now, Sunday mornings, churches all over the place are full or packed or sparse or spread out, whatever, of people that are experiencing an incomplete type of joy because they haven't actually let Jesus take ownership of their entire heart. So it's a problem. Well, God's looking at us as his people. He's saying, I have a joy for you. I have a completeness for you. I have this purpose for you that is worth celebrating. It's worth enjoying. It's worth just relishing. And I actually have this gift for you. And so many people are content without it. So what they do is they chase all the other things that are full of incomplete joy. It's like, well, I'm just going to chase my job right now because I feel fulfilled or I feel purpose or I feel celebrated at my work. So they chase a job or they chase a marriage or they chase a child or being a mom or being a dad or traveling or vacations or money or retirement. We fill all of our lives with all of these things that actually can at best only yield an incomplete joy. And here's what Jesus is saying. When I show up, when I can reside in you, that's my desire. When I reside in you, I can make your joy complete. It separates your joy from any other worldly circumstance. That you, you can have joy in the midst of suffering. You can have joy in the midst of pain. You can have joy in the midst of anything that is not going the way you think it should or want it to. You can actually find Joy, because it's Jesus that is residing within you. And then this last line, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Don't do it by yourself. How many people have been to an awesome party of one? It's just, Mm -hmm. what? You know what I mean? It's weird. It doesn't make sense. Celebration is meant to happen within a community. Celebration can actually change a community. Just like it can change families, just like it can change neighborhoods, just like it can change churches. If we get celebration right, when we can experience the fullness of the joy that God actually has for us. It can change everything. So that's his desire for us. But too many of us are living with an incomplete type of joy. So Richard Foster, he's, a, he's an author that wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline. And we have built much of this series this summer on this book. He, he takes us on such a great journey of understanding all of the different spiritual disciplines like prayer or fasting or meditation or study. So he took us deeper, but he writes this. This is like an article summarizing his book. He said, The spiritual discipline of celebration leads us into a perpetual jubilee of the Spirit. There's that word again. Leads us into this perpetual jubilee of the Spirit. We are rejoicing in the goodness and greatness of God. Celebration comes to us as a result of, of all the spiritual disciplines, having done their work in our lives, without joy penetrating all the disciplines, they will quickly deteriorate into another set of soul-killing legalisms. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but have you ever been to a church, or been to a small group, or been to a youth group, or been to a Christian class, or or whatever, where you feel like I I can't do all of this? my prayer life needs work, or I don't read my Bible enough, or I didn't know meditation was a Christian thing, so now I have to add that to my list. And then fasting, I can't make it more than an hour. Now I'm talking personally. With fasting, it's like you just go spiritual discipline to spiritual discipline to spiritual discipline, and you just go, I can't do this. When it is lacking celebration, all of the other disciplines lead you to a place of bondage. This is how important celebration is. Here, here are these great, wholesome, right things that are supposed to lead you into a relationship with God, but not from a place of earning it, from a place of receiving it, and that leads to joy. So God actually has this gift for you, and it's not work harder and be better and act good. And all, it, The gift is, would you just come and hang out with me? Because there, there's a constant party wherever he is. It's a celebration because only he can do what he can do. And so he invites us to step into it. But celebration, catch this, as far as every other spiritual discipline goes, celebration should go with the other ones. It should lead you to a place of celebration. Prayer should lead you to a place of celebration because you can go, I just heard from God. God just heard from me. There's this communal relationship. It should lead you to a place of joy. Study. As you open up your Bible, it should lead you to a place of joy because you go, I understand the character of God. I understand how he's led people in the past and his people. I see what he's done in their lives and what he promises is that he hasn't changed. That should lead us to a place of joy and celebration. But so often it feels like bondage for us. It feels like, legalism to us. It feels like tasks to us. And when we lose celebration, we lose the richness that all of these spiritual disciplines are intended to lead us to. And the richness is him. Not the stuff, not the thing, not the task, not the text. Him. That's why this is so important for us to understand. So too often... We skip it, and we're always trying to move on to the next thing. But the discipline of celebration causes us to stop, to celebrate, and to enjoy, especially after a hard season or in the midst of a hard season. Or I could even say this, in anticipation of a hard season. Celebration is crucial to our life and our relationship with God if we actually want to experience that which he actually wants to give us and it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter how you feel. He, he wants to invite you to experience this in a way that is different than maybe you've ever experienced before. So I shared this first service. I was at a church uh, in Wisconsin. I have a prayer mentor. Uh, something about a year and a half ago, I remember feeling like, man, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I feel like I don't even know how to pray. I don't know how to talk to God. I don't know how to ask. Like I, see, I see other people, and I watch them pray, and I go, I, I want that. But I have no idea how to get it. So I found one of those people, and I said, can you just teach me? My goodness, it's been one of the richest journeys of my life, learning how to pray, learning how to talk, learning my role, even in prayer. And so he, uh, I took a couple of days off, and he invited me to come to this conference uh, that was in his church. It's in Madison, Wisconsin. and It was, all, it was called Intimacy with God. So, does that sound fun to anybody else? I'm not going to lie. I wasn't like, woohoo, sweet. I was like, okay, you're my mentor. I'll listen and follow and I'll anticipate. I, went, I was that guy that I talked about at the beginning going, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. And I walked into the church and uh, nobody knows I'm a pastor there, which is awesome. Because I can be like in, invisible. I can kind of sneak in. I can just watch. I can just observe and as I hung back and as I watched, I saw people that were on fire for the Lord, that, that were actually so full of and moved with joy that they couldn't contain it. There's a conference called Intimacy with God, and here they are. I mean, they're dancing and singing. There's kids running around. There's prayer. I mean, it, it was just like you were in this space, and you're like, I think they're understanding something that I'm lacking. You, you couldn't drag them out of the place. They were so excited and joyful and celebratory just to be in his presence. Wouldn't that change your life? Like, how, how do you leave an environment like that and stay the same? I mean, it was just captivating. I'm, I'm looking at all these people going, I feel like I lack like, I, I just want to experience this. Maybe, maybe I've been trying to find joy in all the wrong places. Maybe they've figured something out that, that requires something of me, but it, it doesn't require, like, I have to pay for it. Maybe it requires me to lay down all of the other things I've been chasing for joy or for celebration in order to go truly and fully celebrate the one that is only worth celebrating. So let me ask you this. What's worth celebrating in your life right now? What's actually worth it? If you were here for service, I hope you have an answer. <laughs> What's worth celebrating right now? What's God doing in your life personally? What's He doing in your family that's worth celebrating? What's He doing in your workplace that's worth celebrating? Maybe something with your body. It'll be physical what, what what's he doing that's worth celebrating a friendship relationship marriage kids grandkids what what is actually worth celebrating what about spiritual you have something that's changing or growing in your life right now in your relationship with god that's actually worth going time out i just need to celebrate this this is awesome I was sitting with my boys yesterday. My wife's a nurse, so she works uh, every third weekend, uh, which is kind of like crash course combat duty dad weekend, which is like, okay, guys, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this together because I have a three-and-a-half-year-old and and an eight-month-old. So it's kind of – I told my brother this this last week. I said, you know, parenting, before you become a parent, you think it's, like, just fun and enjoyable, but actually being a parent is like I'm just keeping two people alive that are set on killing themselves. Like that's what it just feels like. It doesn't matter if it's putting something in their mouth or sticking their fingers in an electrical outlet, or when they get older, whether they're driving, or what it's like. you're just bent on not surviving the day, and my job is to outthink you so that you survive. So any, anybody else relate to that, or is that just, OK, thank you, one of us. OK, right? So the two of us, we're figuring it out. The rest of you will take notes. But I, I remember sitting like in the chair. And I was tired. It was mid-afternoon. I was cranky. It's like it's just exhausting doing this nonstop. They don't coordinate nap schedules or anything like that. But they were both awake, and they were both just—they were like sweet for like half of a minute. And I was sitting in the chair, and I was holding my three and a half year old, and I was holding my eight month old. And I remember sitting there going, "I'm not going to get to do this forever." And I just paused, and I just went, "This is worth celebrating." This is just special. So often, this is how I am. Maybe you can relate. So often, I always just want to get to the next thing. And I set my celebration as in, like, it's the next finish line. And I often forget that the finish line, maybe I just recently passed, was one that I thought about years ago. But I just forgot. I didn't pause. I didn't take time to, to be grateful like Nick talked about, to actually celebrate what God has done or how he's provided. So what's worth celebrating in your life right now? But maybe you have a hard time finding something worth celebrating. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'm just consumed with this one thing right now, that my marriage is struggling. I'm grieving a loss. I, I feel like I'm in a dead-end job, or I feel trapped, or, or there's a close friend of mine that lives far away that I haven't talked to. Maybe, maybe there's something inside of you that's wrestling with God, and you're like, I don't know if you exist. Or I don't know if you're real. I don't know if I can trust you. Maybe, maybe you're having a hard time finding something worth celebrating. I want to tell you two things. God's got a gift for you if you're willing to receive it. God's got a gift for you. It's himself. But just like any other situation, any other party, any other celebration, when you, you, sh- you can show up with a gift for someone else, but they have to receive it. You can't unwrap it and throw it at them and get the same result. So God doesn't do that with us. He shows up and he says, I have a gift for you if you want it. And like a loving, patient father, he'll wait you can kick him out of the house and then he'll wait outside the door and you can kick him off the property and he'll wait off the property and he'll stay as close as you'll let him but he'll wait so if, if that I told you two things one is God's got a, a gift for you but the second one is this if you are having such a hard time finding something to celebrate right now what's worth celebrating in the next life so often we look backwards to figure out if it's worth celebrating, but we also need to look forwards. And What Jesus accomplished on the cross looking backwards has solidified us looking forwards, which is for eternity. If you receive that gift. because We've got nothing to gain, nothing to lose, nothing to prove. It's just Jesus. God's saying, if you just accept him or if you receive him, if you allow him to change you on a heart level, it will change your eternity forever. That, friends, is worth celebrating. Because he's already done what we couldn't accomplish on our own. So let me just ask you, do you find yourself gravitating towards a place of celebration? Or do you find yourself... Resistant, what's the cause of the resistance? What's getting in the way? What's preventing you? Uh, I shared this first service because I don't care anymore. (laughs) When I was in high school, I was just an awkward kid. I'll just call it for what it is, and you'll agree with me at the end of the story. But I used to, I used to like go up into my room, I had a room that was separate from everybody else. It was above a three-car garage. It had like the pointy, you know, the ceiling roof. It hit my head on it all the time. But I, I got up there and it, it who's like, this was my space. I could get away from everybody else. I could close the door. And so I, I, I had a really hard time in high school. I struggled a lot with a lot of different things and family and personal and all that. And so it was kind of my release. But what I found was I, I would put headphones in. Music just had, somebody said music, I think, when we talked about party earlier. I went, yes. Music leads me to a place of celebration. I just love music. And uh, I used to put headphones in, and I would come up there, and I would put headphones in, and I would blare it way louder than it should have, like to the point that my ears almost hurt. So you do it till it hurts, and you tone it down just a bit. I would go up there, I would turn the lights off, and I would just move. It was like there was something so deep within me that just wanted to celebrate, but as if nobody was around and nobody cared and nobody could see, and I would dance or I would move or I would flow throughout or I would try to sing because I was was away. There was always something when I was around other people or around family or around brokenness that felt like I can't celebrate. But I had this deep-seated desire to get away to do that. I think that exists in every single one of us that we are built for a celebration, which is good because eternity is going to be a celebration. There's a piece of us that, that that God just knows and he's created us. And so often we think, I just don't want to let myself go or I don't want to celebrate because what if XYZ happens? What if somebody judges me? What if I lose this? What King David, I was reading my devotional King David went out and God delivered him and his army in a pretty incredible way. And he comes back and it's like all of his royal robes and, you know, mask that he would put on to other people. Like I'm, I'm regal and authoritative and strong and powerful. All of that stuff came off and it says he was in his loincloth and he was out there and he was dancing like I did in my bedroom, except in front of everybody, the King in front of everybody. And he made the statement, I'll be even more undignified than this. He had experienced the saving grace of God. And it moved him to a place of celebration, and his celebration was contagious. It affected people around you. So let me just say this, if I had to summarize it. Jesus' desire for you is that your joy may be complete. Say it with me, complete. Complete. His desire is that your joy may be complete, but with him. Not with your job, not even just with your marriage, not even just with your kids, not even just with retirement, not that your joy would be complete with him. That's the only thing that can lead you to actually having a complete joy. So, do you want that? Do you actually want it? Do you, do you want to receive the gift that he has for you or not? You have to decide. You have to choose. Sometimes you have to celebrate even if you don't feel like celebrating. So Sometimes you just have to start leaning and go, you know what, I do want this. I, I wanted to think about this even just as we prepared or as I prepared for today. Why does this church exist in this community? You ever think about that? I I think too often when we forget why we gather, why we belong, or why we're in a church or a community like this that follows Jesus, sometimes if we don't remember why we exist and why we gather, we we start filling in the blanks with all the stuff that revolves around us. Well, I exist here because my friends go here. I exist here because I like the worship. I exist here and I connect here because I like the preaching or I've been here for forever. I don't know what to change now or it's convenient, it's close. I walk here. So often, if we lose sight of why we exist as a church, it, it just becomes about us. I looked it up last night. There are 12 churches within one mile of this church. You know what I like to believe about this church? I'm just a guest. But, but this is something I just know and believe about you. every time I come here, this church exists for people that aren't here right now. And it exists for people that don't come for service either. It's people that are at home right now sleeping in. It's at home, or it's for people right now that are watching TV or they're walking their dog or you know, they're, they're worshiping Buddha or Muhammad, or you know, they're chasing all these other things that don't actually lead you to a place of a relationship with Jesus. This church exists for them. And the funny thing about the them is you know them. You actually have names when I say that. You you can see many of their faces. It's the people you live next to. It's the people you work alongside. It's the people that you're in a CrossFit gym with, or it's the people you go to school with, or it's the people. There's so many people that are all around you in all of your different contexts that don't have a relationship with Jesus that will forever live with this sort of incomplete joy that it's only going to get so good until they interact and meet the person of Jesus. And what's crazy about joy is it's meant to be contagious. And there's something really awesome about having a contagious type of joy that is complete that people who don't have it desire it. So the question I would just have for you is what would be worth celebrating in your life? What would be worth celebrating in your heart? What what would cause you to just go, I don't care anymore? I'd be like King David. I'd be even more undignified. I would worship. I'd go crazy. I'd celebrate. What, what would cause you to celebrate if God moved in your community or your workplace or your school or your context that would change everything? What would lead you to that place of celebration? Here's a question. Would you be willing to allow God to use you to make that happen? Would you be willing to be obedient? Would you be willing to to talk about your relationship with God? Would you be willing to put your joy on display so that other people could see this is what it actually looks like? This is what it's actually all about. So Richard Foster, I'll I'll read this one last quote of his. Uh, I'll put it up on the screen. I'm going to read the first half of it, though, that's not up on the screen. The first half says this. He says, celebration is not just an attitude, but it's also something that we do. So it's not just an attitude, it's not just a feeling, it's an action. It's something we do. We laugh, we sing, we dance, we play. The psalmist described the joy-filled celebration of the people of God, complete with timbrel and dance, with trumpet and lute and harp, with strings and pipe and loud clashing cymbals. In celebration, we celebrate. So in the discipline of celebration, it leads us to Action, But then he says this, and this is on the screen. Celebration is one of those things that does not diminish with use. There are very few things that exist in our world that don't diminish with use. And celebration is one of them. Rather, it multiplies. Celebration begets more celebration. Joy begets more joy. Laughter begets more laughter. I have found that times of genuine celebration have potential of bringing healing and wholeness to the entire community. So I wanted to share this last story, and then we'll close. Uh, I remember when I was in college, I became an RA. It was my sophomore year. I got moved to freshman land. That's what we called it. I got to live in the Honors College first year. They had their own room, so I I convinced them I was smart enough to do that. So then year two, I got shipped off to freshman land, and I had a resident. Her name was Priyanka, and she was Hindu so her whole family was indian that was just the religion from the the place of the world that they were from and so all she had known was hinduism and i remember watching a message from a pastor who was talking about the middle school kids in his church baptizing their friends and i went i've never baptized anybody i don't even know what to do i wouldn't know what to say does it matter what type of body of water does it have to be still or should it be a river i i don't know And I remember I met Priyanka. She was one of my 66 residents on that floor. And she always had a hard time fitting in, struggled to connect with other people. And so a lot of times she'd just sit out in the hallway by herself. And so I would walk past her. I knew her. Just like many of you know the people that lack a relationship with Jesus in your life, you know they stick out. And so I remember I I would just sit next to her, sometimes for an hour, other times for five minutes, 10 minutes. I just asked her questions Tell me what you believe. Why do you believe that? Why, why do you worship Buddha and what, what happens or Hinduism? I think Buddha is Hinduism. I don't remember. Buddha is probably Buddhism, isn't it? Sorry. So anyway, I remember sitting with her and just asking questions: What do you believe, and why do you believe? And what's the what's the text that you study? And what happens after you die? And does your family do it? And 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 what what happens if you don't do it, or if you don't make it, or do you know for sure if you're saved before you die? I, I just asked her all these sorts of questions, and it was awesome watching God over the course of a year and a half as He just morphed and changed her heart. There was a hunger. For him that she had never experienced. I had this big group of friends that we invited her to come and join with for everything. Like we we had parties all the time. It would take us five cars to go to church. I mean, it was like we we just caravanned it. So she was with us for everything. And about a year in, I was like, You listen to more Christian music than us, you go to more church services than us, you read more Christian books than us. are you a Christian? She goes, Nope. I was like, You sure look like one. She goes, Nope. I'm not I still remember the day that she said uh she was like hey let's go grab lunch we grabbed lunch and she's looking at me dead in the eye and she goes I have something to tell you I go okay and she goes I gave my life to Jesus I was like you what I mean so excited and moved I'd given up hope I was like it's never gonna happen because for her to follow Jesus cost her everything her dad disowned her her family wanted nothing to do with her when she made that decision and she knew it was going to cost her everything, but the celebration moved her to it. So I said, I, I don't even know what to do next. I read Matthew 28. I was like, baptism. Baptism is what, what we're supposed to do next. Called up our local pastor and said, can we come in and do a baptism? And he goes, sure, and said, here's what you're supposed to say. And then I didn't say it. I just said, "Baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And she was baptized. But she shared her testimony. And I have a picture. She shared her testimony with this whole group of friends that was there. And two other friends there decided that day that they wanted to get baptized as well. Baptism begets more baptism. Joy begets more joy. Celebration begets more celebration. What if you are the Priyanka in your context? What if God has placed you there, not just for you, but for an impact, for the ripples and waves that he can make at your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your context, for his glory? Would you be willing? So as we close today, I just want to pray for you. I know some of you are celebrating awesome things, and others are hoping to get to a place of celebration because things aren't awesome. I just want to close us in celebration just by praying, by moving into his presence where only the complete joy that he offers can be found. So can we pray together? Let's do that. God, we just come before you right now. We just thank you just for the person of Jesus. We thank you that you loved us so much, that you died for us, that you looked at us, you saw our sin, you saw our shame, you saw all the stuff that so many others just don't see about us or in our private lives, that you saw us and even at our worst, you said you're worth it. We thank you that you, uh, that you rose again from the grave, that you defeated death so that we would all know that nothing can hold us back from a relationship with you. And I pray, God, that you would just make this group contagious. I pray that as you send this group to classrooms, as you send this group to workplaces in different neighborhoods, as you send some even in this group all across the world, I pray that everywhere these people go, that they would be just contagious with the joy of your Holy Spirit that leads to a complete type of joy that they would experience the impact of a relationship with you, not just in their own lives, but in their marriages and their families with their kids and grandkids and workplaces and classrooms, that you would just change our world through this group of people that understands who you are and can celebrate you. So we love you. We're grateful for you. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. amen.